I, I, I tell you what, the imagination just cannot grasp what we have in store for us in heaven. I am excited about it. I, I can't wait, but I will. <laughs> Until the Lord's timing, I can't wait. And, and I know you will wait too as, as long as the Lord allows us to do what we have here to do. We have a lot to do. Amen? Well, we're glad that you made it here tonight. I've got a message for you that I hope will encourage you. Our young people are about to depart from this room into the next, into a different set of atmospheric conditions. <laughs> Go and enjoy. Praise the Lord. We do have an awful lot that is happening at this church, and I, I, I hope that you are getting involved in as many areas as you can reasonably. You know, you can overdo it, but um, yeah, laugh away. You can overdo it. We don't want you to overdo it. We want you to, we want you to be right in the center of God's will for your life. And I can tell you, in the center of God's will for your life is not in an easy chair. That's the way it is. I mean, there could be seasons, but for the most part, he's got work for us to do. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 11 is where I'm going to start this message. It's a familiar scripture to most of us. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of our favorites. This is uh, what they call the refrigerator scripture, the bumper sticker scripture. You put this everywhere. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. See, God already has planned out your life, and there's hope in it. There's a future for you. God has a, a plan that is divine. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good word. He has a divine destiny for you. It's much better than what you could have planned on your own. And whether or not we actually fulfill the plan that God's destiny has for us depends a lot on how we take a look at life, how, how we have our outlook, so to speak, what our mindset is. The people who accomplish great things for God are not the ones who focus on the past or who succumb to complacency. The people who accomplish great things for God are the ones who dare to dream and who dare to believe the dreams that God has given them and then to step out in faith and make their God-given dreams come true. I'm going to talk a little bit about this tonight, but first let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that it is to be a part of your family. I'm, I'm so thankful, Lord, that you adopted us in. That, that not only did you bring us into your family, but you have blessed us and you have given us gifts and talents and a destiny. And Lord, as I preach this message tonight, I hope to stir that up in us. I hope to stir up the God-given destiny that you have given us. I hope to stir up the hope that you have already appointed for us because our future is good. Because you've planned it that way as we follow after you in faith. So Lord God, help us to see with new eyes. Help us to understand clearly and by your spirit bring revelation to us that will inspire us to move ahead, to press on. 
And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, every, every believer, and I, this is kind of what I'm going to focus on, every believer falls into one of three categories, at least of the three categories I'm going to cover tonight. There are those who are risk takers, and then there are those who are caretakers, and then there are those that I call the undertakers. I'm going to start with the undertakers. <laughs> Under, actually, undertaker is an out-of-date word, right? Now, now undertakers are referred to as funeral home directors, right? The graveyard is not a graveyard anymore. Now it's a memorial garden. The hearse is, is now a funeral coach. See, we've kind of softened all of that around death, but here's the reality. Death is death. Any way you put it, death is still death. Believers that I would classify in the undertaker category tend to hang out around graveyards, at least metaphorically speaking. They, they live on the memories of their past. They fondly remember the spiritual victories. They, they remember their, their spiritual leaders of the past with, with great fondness. And, and revivals of yesteryear and so on. You know, back in the good old days when everything was great. Only those who are my age and older are going, yeah, I know those days. When everything was great, those in the category of undertakers can't imagine that anything could even come close to the glory of the past, except for maybe heaven. See, in the mind of the undertaker, Everything good is behind them. They have no excitement. They have no enthusiasm. They have no expectation or anticipation of what God might do now. In a, in a nutshell, to put it in biblical terms, they have no vision. They have no vision. It's as though they enjoyed their, their spiritual past, but now it's gone. And they've already had a funeral for it. And they've buried all hope along with it. The undertakers. But let me share with you a scripture from Matthew 25. You're familiar with this parable of the talents. In this parable, it, I'll just read it. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. Who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents. To another two and to another one to another, one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And we know the story. He goes away and, and the people that he gave the talents to go about doing what they're going to do with those talents. And then he comes back in verse 24. Well, he comes back before that. But in verse 24, he deals with the person who got that one talent. He said to him who received the one talent, Come and said, Lord, I, or the one, the one, let me try this again. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. The undertaker took the talent God or this man gave him and buried it, buried it. 
But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would receive back at my own with interest. We have all been given talents. We've all been given abilities. We've all been given that destiny. And if we don't do something with it, I don't believe our Lord is going to be pleased. It's our responsibility to do something with what God has given us to work with. And I know, even like in this parable, it seems some have a lot more to work with than we do. Right? He gave one five talents and gave another two and gave this guy one but in every case, whatever your talent, whatever has been appointed to you, we are expected to do something with it. Not just to say, well, my time is done. It's over. I don't need to be worried about that. Jesus in Luke 12, 48, he said, For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. I tell you, Jesus is the master of the talents. And he will reward those who do something with their talents. The talents that he's given them. And that's, that's just a universal truth. There's not much reward for the undertakers. Now, are we undertakers? <laughs> Have we buried the talents, the gifts, the abilities the calling, the responsibilities, the dreams, and the visions that God has given us? If so, I just want to stir us up. I just want to say, hey, hey, let's, let's shake that off. Let's, let's pick it up again. Let's, let's unearth that thing that we might have buried because we got discouraged about something or, or we felt like our life wasn't going in the direction that we had expected. It wasn't as great a few years ago as it was a long time ago, right? We're not going to live in those old days of glory. As long as those visions, those gifts, those abilities, that calling, as long as it's buried, our destiny will go unfulfilled. Undertakers also focus on the pain of the past. We've all had hurts. We've all had dreams that were crushed for a season we're disoriented and, and wondering where we're going, what's going to happen to us. And see, it's, it's how we choose to react in those seasons that will determine where we will end up. Let me ask you this, side note. Anybody here ever have a, a teenage crush? That first Love. Most likely that crush didn't work out, did it? How many of you found your first love, the first person you had a, a, an emotional attachment to, an infatuation with? How many of you are with that person today? One. See, most of the time it doesn't work out. Let me tell you about mine. I don't even know how much Sarah knows about this. 
Because it's an, it's an odd story. It's, yeah. It's an odd story. My freshman year in high school, I was, no kidding, I was the smallest kid in my freshman class. I know you look at this big burly guy now and you think, oh, how could that be? But I was, I was the smallest kid in my high school freshman class. And there was a gal who had a locker across the hall from my locker, and she noticed how small I was, and she started teasing me about my stature. The interesting thing was, she was very small too. And so I started teasing her about her stature. She called, my nickname for her was Elfie. Who, who could have thought? I was Elfie. I don't remember what I called her. Her name was Sharon, by the way. Sharon was, and here's the odd part, Sharon was a senior. I was a freshman. But somehow that little small stature thing worked for us, and we just hit it off. And there was love, and I was just excited. And then Sharon graduated, and she went to work in Door County, picking cherries or canning cherries or doing something with cherries. And it wasn't long after that that on a phone call, she told me that she was going out with somebody else now. And I was crushed. And then I saw that guy that she was going out with, and he was a skinny, ugly, creepy-looking guy. And I, I was crushed even more. <laughs> but you know what? I survived it. My dream fell apart, I, but I survived it. I'm doing very well today. I've got a wonderful wife. Couldn't ask for anything better. I did marry up, yes. She is the better half, without a doubt. And so, you know, we can get caught up in the past and the disappointments and the discouragements of our past, or we can continue to move ahead. We can continue to, to go on. Hurts and disappointments are going to come. Even, even for those of us who are the most spiritual, it's going to come. It is part of the life, the Christian life. But, but let's not be undertakers, right? Let's not bury our dreams and our visions when things get tough, when we have a hard time, when we're going through a bad season. Let's keep going. Instead of hanging out at the cemetery where yesterday's memories are buried, let's move on to that empty tomb where tomorrow's vision is resurrected and tomorrow's destiny is reborn. Hallelujah. Philippians 3 Verses 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul talks. He says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. We need to press on. We, I, I tell you, the Apostle Paul was not an undertaker. <laughs> he, he never believed the best was behind him, right? You think about all that he went through, and yet he kept going. He just, because he had a vision of God, and he had, he had a calling in his, in his life, on his heart, and he wasn't going to allow anything to stop him. You could stone him, you could beat him, you could shipwreck him, you could, you could you know, haul him before courts and, and, and leave him for dead, he was going to keep going on. Praise the Lord. All right, so undertakers, let's not be that. Then there are the caretakers. Caretakers carefully lay out the plans of the present. 
They're not hung up in the past. They're not bothered by the past. But they're also not looking to the future. They're not looking. They're, they're bogged down in the here and now. Just, just holding down the fort. We need to be vigilant. And, and we need to be settling for nothing less than God's best. You know, if there's one thing that, that I hope when I, I read the Bible is that I understand what God's best is. There are a lot of people I don't think that really understand that. They don't understand what God's will is for their life or for humanity at all. They're, they're just bouncing around through life like a, a, a pinball. You have to understand what God's desire and his will is. Then you can understand what his best is. And I tell you, the most powerful enemy of the best is the good. Caretakers are satisfied with the good. The good. The good is second place to best. It's second place to best. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, if I'm running a race, I don't want to be in second place. I want to be in first place. When you, when you see them handing out, you know, the, the medals in the Olympics, I want to be the guy on that top step. You know, I mean, it's, it's okay. I guess it's good to get second place or even third place, but it's not the best. I don't want to settle for good. I want the best. Caretakers sit with their arms folded and they'll say, well, you know, this is pretty good. And I fear this is really a plague upon the church. There are way too many churchgoers who just have found a comfortable spot. They like where they are. They like what they're doing. They like how God has blessed them. And, and let's all be honest. God has blessed us. I mean, just that you're here tonight, you are blessed greatly. But a lot of people are very comfortable in that blessed spot. Pretty good is not good enough. And you know, typically when we think how good things are, this is pretty good, we're thinking about, this is pretty good for me. This is pretty good for me. And we're not thinking about others. We're not thinking about how others don't have it quite as good when we get complacent and when we're happy to be just caretakers. I'm talking about how others are doing physically and emotionally, financially, emotionally, and of course spiritually. How are the others around us doing? And I don't mean just in this room. We're all doing, I think, pretty good. Pretty good. Very good. But what about the people that live in your neighborhood? What about the people that you work with? Are they doing good? I mean, they might look happy. They may be somewhat successful. They may not be on, on you know, the poverty line, but are they still doing good in all of those areas? Is there something that we as believers, as those who know God, could share with them that would improve their lot in life? Or can we just be comfortable with where we are and enjoy the life God has given us? We have to stir ourselves up. Satan has rocked many believers asleep in that little cradle of complacency. It's very easy to get comfortable. In America, very, very easy to get comfortable. We need to stir ourselves up before it's too late. Before it's too late. And it's not hard to stir ourselves up, really, if we can get our eyes off of ourself and our cushy Christian situation and see the hurting people that are around us. Those who are in need. 
the lost who need Jesus, the hungry who need food, the, the, the people in turmoil in their families that need some stabilization and, and some good words and, and advice and, and leadership to help them get life back to the way God desires them to, to live. We should always be moving upward and onward. I tell you, God wants to take his power he wants us to take his power and, and he wants us to be more productive in this world than we have ever been. And in fact, I believe he wants us to be more productive in this world than any generation before has, have, has ever been. We are in the last days. Things are winding down. If it's not going to happen now, when will it? When will it? Do we have a worthy cause? I believe we do. Don't be an undertaker. Don't be a caretaker. Instead, let's be risk takers. Risk takers are people of faith motivated by a godly vision. Are you a person of faith? Do you have a godly vision? <laughs> are you motivated? Again, you can, you, can, you can have a godly vision and never see it fulfilled. Right? Vision is all about progress. It's all about moving forward. Vision is all about the future. Someone said, vision is foresight with insight based on hindsight. Try and write that down and remember it. Vision is foresight with insight based on hindsight. But again, remember, having a vision is not the end all. Our vision is only validated when it becomes reality. So you can have great big dreams, but if you aren't trying to fulfill them, if you aren't moving forward, if you aren't trusting God to, to, to fulfill that vision, it ain't going to happen. And again, you can just end up becoming a caretaker with a happier thought life. <laughs> i got a vision. No. Godly vision becomes reality through faith that is put into action. Let me share a story with you from 2 Kings. This is in chapter 7. And, and this is just a terrible time in the lives of the people of Israel. They are, they are being besieged. And they are in the, in the throes of starvation. And this is where we pick up in verse 3. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and if if we shall and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. One thing, they could have been undertakers. They certainly weren't caretakers because they did not have a cushy position. They had to do something. So they go on. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall only die. I like that phrase. <laughs> if they kill us, we're only going to die. Big deal. We shall only die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. And therefore they basically had headed out. 
They ran for their lives, and as they fled, they left all their stuff behind. And in verse 8 it says, And these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp. They went into one tent, and they ate, and they drank, and they carried from it silver and gold and clothing. And they went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some of that off, and they went and hid that. I believe they buried it, those undertakers. And then they said to one another, wait, wait, we're not doing what's right. This is a day of good news. And if we remain silent, if we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. I tell you, we are not dead yet. Amen? Let's do something. Like these guys sitting at the, at the front gate going, well, if we go in there... We'll likely die, and if we go out there, we might die. But let's not just sit here and die. Let's go do something. Let's make something of our lives count for something, and we'll take a chance. We'll take a risk. We need to be risk takers. We need to get to the place where protecting our life is not the most important thing, but that serving our king is the most important thing for us. Our attitude should be the same as Paul's was in Romans 14.8, where he said, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Risk takers. Risk takers aren't comfortable. Risk takers aren't complacent. Risk takers aren't caught up in the past, whether it was a glorious past or a painful past. They are moving forward. They do have a vision and they're willing to step out and, and challenge that vision. A get up and go attitude will keep us from living in the past and, and struggling in the present. We must learn from our past, but not live in our past. You know, some people talk about faith. But they really mean a, a fail-safe faith. They, they're not willing to take any action unless they're sure it's a sure thing. They're hesitant to step out in real faith. Sometimes you have to step out over that, that aching void of nothingness, right? With nothing under your feet but His Word and that vision that He's given you of destiny that's my, that might be all you have, but begin to walk in it. Take some risks. Realize that you will stumble. Realize you will find opposition, but I'm telling you, it is worth it. It is worth it to be a risk taker in the kingdom of God. I mean, all of the people in Hebrews 11 were risk takers. Think about Noah. There hadn't been any rain. Noah spent a whole lifetime, I mean a lifetime, building this ark. That was a risk. What if there never came? The rain never, never showed up. What would his life have been? A waste. But he had a, he had a vision from God. He had a destiny that God had appointed for him. And he fulfilled it. Abraham, he's called out of his homeland to go to where he'd never been before. There's a, there's a risk taker. Not many of us are willing to just step out into the wilderness. Step out into unknown territory. Abraham was willing to do it. Why? Because God had called him. He was willing to take that risk. Moses. <laughs> think about Moses. You know, Moses took on 
Egypt. I mean, the whole country. And he wasn't like naive about Egypt. He obviously, he grew up in the king's court. He understood the power. He understood all that could happen. And yet he was willing to take that risk because he believed God, because he believed the word of God, because he was willing to take the risk for the purpose and the cause that God had called him to. David. Sure, he he killed a lion. He killed a bear, but a nine-foot giant? There was some risk there. There was a great risk there. Nobody else was willing to take it. David was willing to take it because he had faith. Not faith in himself so much as faith in God. Whenever he talked about killing the lion and killing the bear, it was because God had empowered him to do so. So his faith wasn't in his ability. He had some experience. That's a good thing. But his faith was in what God was going to enable him to do. But to do that, to fulfill that, he had to take the risk of facing that giant. Daniel prayed when he wasn't supposed to. That was a risk. Willing to take it because he was going to live for God no matter what. And we can say the same about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and so many others in the Bible that we have as examples. None of those great people in the scriptures that we look to were those who were complacent. They weren't those who who were caught up in their past and willing to just settle for less. Some people are committed to God as long as everything is going fine. But again, remember, there will be tests. There will be trials. There is refining along the way. I see, when I say tests and trials, that doesn't sound so good. But when I say refining, I hope you understand that means it's going to be better afterwards, right? The, 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 the trouble that you may go through is going to make you a better person through that process. God is going to be able to, to do things in your life through the challenges and the difficulties that we face that are going to make you stronger, make you wiser, make you more suitable for the destiny and the purpose that he has called you to. So don't, don't always feel like we have to shy away from those difficult times. In fact, sometimes in trying to fulfill the vision that he's given you, they are some of the most difficult times you will go through. But in the end, there's that refining that will be a better thing for you. Taking risks, you know, it's also not just charging out in foolishness, not coming up with your own goofy ideas. It is stepping out in the knowledge of God's will and his character. If you understand his will and you understand his character, you can have faith in his word. You can trust him. Risk takers are not afraid to march into the future to the beat of God's drum. Hallelujah. And I tell you what, God will empower risk takers. If you, may, you, you may feel like I, I have this vision, but I don't think I have the ability to pull it off. Well, then it probably is a vision from God because God, God will give you, he will empower you to do what he has called you to do. And there are talents, I, I'm very much convinced there are talents within each one of us that we have no real sense of until we get to that point where there's no other way but to use what God has placed in us, that it will bring it out of us. But it's not going to happen in, in our cushy Christian lifestyle. It's going to happen when we step out in faith. Ah, God will provide for risk takers and God, I tell you, will deliver risk takers. You see it over and over and over and over in the scriptures. So there are undertakers and there are caretakers and there are risk takers. 
Why is this message important? Because we all need to realize God is not finished with us yet. He is not finished with us yet. In fact, I believe he's just getting started. And on any given day you decide you're going to step up to the challenge, you are just getting started. Amen? Now's not the time to sit back and, and become complacent. Now is the time for us to get up and go and, and go and go and go. Let me give you a few cautions, though. We can't be so future-oriented that we neglect the responsibilities of the present. And I want you not to hear that the wrong way. I'm not giving you an opportunity for a cop-out. I'm just saying we have to be aware of what's taking place in our present, but our, our heart and our mind needs to be on God's future, His future for us, on that vision that He's placed in us. We can't be so focused on the, on the future that we can't enjoy the journey as well. Remember, I talked about that last week. We need to learn how to enjoy what God is doing in our lives. We need to be able to take a, a little more pleasure in the things that God has placed in our lives, the blessings he has given us for our enjoyment and pleasure. There must be some excitement and purpose in our lives, something that, that will motivate us and move us forward toward the destiny that God has waiting for us. That excitement and that purpose comes from an authentic relationship with Jesus. If you are not excited about your future, I mean, I'm talking about in the spiritual sense, your future in the Lord. If you're not excited about ministry opportunities, if you're not excited about sharing Jesus, if you're not excited about a lot of the things that, that we talk about and encourage in this church, then honestly, I question your authenticity with the Lord. I mean, the only thing that keeps me going is I just like Jesus. I'm just happy to have, have him as my savior. And, and once I received that, that gift of salvation, all I wanted to do was serve him. And all I care to do is continue to press on. And I've had my struggles and I've had my failures and I've had more than my share of, of you know, disappointments and discouragements along the way. Well, I shouldn't say more than my share. I might not have had as many as the rest of you. <laughs> I may have only had a partial share. But nonetheless, I've had, my, I've had some share in that as well. But I'm not going to let it discourage me. I am moving on. Because I'm not, I'm not satisfied with what happened in the past. And I could tell you some great stories of things that happened in my past. Some great spiritual victories. But I'm not content to just rest on what happened in the past. And I could tell you about all of my bad times, but I'm not content to just wallow in pity for myself and, and what could have been. I'm interested in what God is doing now and what God is leading me into as we live in the moment. The excitement and the purpose comes from an authentic relationship with Jesus. And my promise to you is that the best is yet to come. Whatever you've had in your past, I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. If we'll step out in faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on the destiny that he has for you. Be good stewards of the talents that you've been given. And you will see amazing things.
beyond what you can comprehend at this moment. God has got so much in store for us as believers. I can't even, I get excited just thinking about it, but I, I can't even describe it. Seek God. Amen? Amen? Let's finish in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that, that you have not left us as orphans. You have adopted us and you have brought us into your family. And as part of the family, we want to be productive. We want to do our part in the work. We want to be a, a good family member. And I pray, Lord God, that you would help us in this church and in our communities and in every aspect that we have influence, Lord God, to be good stewards and, and faithful servants and those who are willing to take risks when we know that you are leading and guiding us. I pray, Lord God, that this message, again, would stir hearts, would shake us a little bit out of any complacency that might be settling in, and that will spur us on to, to be faithful risk-takers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 I just want to go out and do something. <laughs> I hope you do too. There's plenty to do. But maybe we'll start tomorrow. <laughs> or maybe today. Maybe you've got other things that you've got to do uh, or that you can do tonight. Well, God bless you for coming. If you have a need for prayer, you know, there is no risk in asking for prayer up here. Okay, there are people who love you here. There are people who will, who will definitely join with you in faith for whatever need you might have. So come on up and ask for prayer if you need it. We're happy to pray with you. And not just up here. There's people all over this room that have faith that will be more than willing to, to pray with you. So find, find a friendly face if you don't want to step up in the front. But they'll pray with you. Otherwise, fellowship a little bit. Say